It's good to be with you this morning. As Jerome said, we're finishing today our final sermon on this series we've been doing on rest, or what we call our Midwinter Sabbath series, thinking about the topic of rest in the Bible. Next week, we're going to be launching into uh, looking at the book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament, a wisdom book. Yeah, there's some fans here of Ecclesiastes. Um, <laughs> fun people. Um, as we're going to be talking about Ecclesiastes, you're going to have to get used to hearing, thinking about death a lot. So let's, um, let's start in today by thinking a bit about death. Um, now, death's something that we don't often want to think about, isn't it? It's not very pleasant. But um, there are several times a year when our culture focuses on the remembrance of death. So I'm thinking firstly perhaps about our remembrance days we have when we focus on those who have died or served in wars. And of course there are times in our town here in Emerald when we take that very seriously as a community and you can see the poppies all around town as reminders of everyone who's lost their lives in war. Uh, another time when we remember death, one that's less sombre and less serious, and that is, is coming up not, in, not too far away, and that's the season of Halloween. Um, Halloween is a celebration. It's very interesting the, the way it's developed over the years. It's basically, over time, completely flipped its intended meaning uh, since it was first started. Um, it's, as you know, it's become a kind of spooky season. People revel in dark or kind of out there things. And, um, but the original holiday of Halloween was, as many people know, the night that we call All Hallows' Eve. And this is the night before what is called in the church calendar All Saints' Day or All Hallows' Day, Holy or the Saints. And it's the day when Christians set aside to remember everyone who had died as a follower of Jesus and to give thanks uh, for their lives. So Halloween is supposed to be a peaceful and hopeful remembrance of everyone over the last 2,000 years who's entered into a new life with God, having passed through death. And so it's not a spooky time at all, but that's where it's become. And I bring this up because I think these seasons of remembrance bring us face to face with our understanding of death. What is it that we think death actually is? What is it? What does it mean to die? And what metaphors and symbols do we use to explain death to ourselves? Um, and so this series of sermons I'm finishing today, it's on the topic of rest. And death actually has a lot to do with the meaning of rest in the Bible. As you know, one of the most well-known inscriptions on gravestones has always been RIP, or rest in peace. That's an idea that's based on the Christian faith, and because one, one of our great hopes is that the people whom we love, who've passed on, will find death as a restful peace for their souls after this life. Why should we associate death with rest? Well, because for Christians, actually, we've talked a lot about the problem of rest in this series. For Christians, death is actually answer, an answer to the final problem of rest. Um, as we've gone through the topic of rest in the Bible, we've seen some of the difficulties that we have with resting in this life. Problems that are outside of ourselves sometimes, problems that are inside. Last week we reflected on the problems in our own hearts with regards to rest. The idea that we might not want to rest really because it means making peace with God and coming face to face with his presence. And another problem we looked at a few weeks ago with rest is that we may be enslaved to systems of work that don't allow us to stop. Um, but the final problem with rest in the end is that none of us can ever have enough of it in this life. The world is too hard and life 
is too long and we always wear out in the end, no matter how many holidays we have. So when we looked in the first sermon in Genesis in the story of creation, we saw that the problem of rest in our world is created for us by the fact that the creation, this earth that we live in and us in it, cannot sustain its life forever without its direct connection to God and his rest. There's an old observation that the Bible only really makes sense when you read it on an empty stomach. You might have heard that before, because the Bible was written by people who didn't have enough to eat most of the time. And their desires to be full and satisfied are palpable throughout the text in things that they hoped for. Um, But equally, I think the Bible was written by tired people. These were agricultural workers mostly, people who lived on the margins of society. Um, They worked hard all year, in all seasons. And alongside that, we know, they also suffered and persevered through many things. So they were tired. And also, when they looked around them, they saw that this was also true for the creation around them. It was tired. The land itself, the earth, seems to grow tired and worn out as we live in it. And that's why in the law of Moses, alongside the Sabbath day for people, there is even a, there is even a year of rest set aside for the land every seven years when nothing was to be grown so that the land could rest. So ancient people were tired and so was their world. And I don't think that's changed today. And so they longed for a time of real, genuine rest. And when they did experience something like that, perhaps on their Sabbath celebrations, their spirits obviously turned towards the hope of ultimate rest and true rest to come. There's a beautiful picture of what their hopes were in the prophet Micah. If you look at chapter 4, verse 4, he talks of a time coming when everyone will be able to sit back under their own fig tree and rest without any fear or any worry. And so if we're tired people, and I know that so many of us are, we're in good company when we read the Bible and about God's people's experience. And they knew that tiredness is, a, is actually a problem with the creation as it is. The world is weary. The world is looking forward to rest as well as us. And this is what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 19 to 23. He says, For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present times. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. As he's saying, the world is tired, the world is groaning, the world needs rest, and so do we. And what we see then uh, initially in the Bible is that God has dealt with this problem in the interim by incorporating into the rhythms of life in this world a time of complete rest, which is known as death. Death is an enemy of life, of course, but it is also actually its friend because it allows, indeed it forces things to stop and to rest. The world is not, does not roll on forever without a rest. Everything comes to an end. Our lives do not continue forever, wearily and without work and with work without stopping. 
eventually the world of work in which we are enslaved at times will run down and come to a stop. The day ends, a night of refreshment and begins and sleep. We lay down our work and our labour and we rest in peace. I think that's why as Christians it's possible to think about death differently than others may. It's, yes, death can be scary to confront its reality. And we'll think a lot about that in Ecclesiastes. And death is part of the curse of work. It's part of the curse of sin on the world, where the way we face death. Without the problem of sin, without this problem, we would not die, or not in the sense that we experience it. So death is not a good thing. But neither is immortal life without God and without rest. That is a nightmare. It's a life of horror that creatures like vampires and the undead are created to conjure up for us. Zombies, the dead who cannot rest as they should. So death, it's death in some respects is part of God's mercy to the human race and to its world. But God does have a plan, of course, to bring us through that experience, through death to the other side. And we've just celebrated that Jesus died on the cross and rose again. And that death as a power has been overcome. And on the other side of death is a new form of life. It's a completely different kind of life on the other side of death. And so what we hope, I think as Christians, we believe is that death is not the end of life anymore. It's a stop along its way. It's a pause. It's a rest. And if we have confidence in Jesus, we can hope for death or look forward to it as a time of rest from our labour. And that's why um, you might not know, or you might have thought about this, that's why the traditional Christian way of dealing with dead bodies is through burial in a sleeping position. So we put them in a coffin, we put them in the ground as though they're asleep. In that symbol we say we are waiting like someone in a bed or a seed planted in the ground to wake up to a new day and to a new life. Now, despite what many people think, there's not actually a lot in the Bible that describes what happens after we die. The passage we read this morning is probably one of the most vivid pictures of that, and even though it's even in that regard, it's very difficult to understand what it's supposed to mean. I guess it's not something we need to know a lot about, in God's opinion. But I think we might say this, that when we die, the body that we have and its life kind of goes quiet for a while, and our soul ourself of some kind, returns to the presence of God to rest. With him and with others as well, we rest. We're refreshed by a time of peace and a kind of night time of the soul. A time of renewal, and we rest in peace. And we wait there, we believe, for the new morning to come, for the resurrection and the new creation, to receive a new body and to live a new life in a renewed creation that will not get tired. And that's what our reading from Revelation chapter 21 is talking about, the time when we enter into the new life of rest and work with God, as we read in that passage. Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and their God, be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. So the Bible ends with a word of hope to tired people. In the end, we will rest in peace, but that's not forever. The alarm clock of Jesus is going to ring one day. It'll be a nice one, a gentle alarm clock. <laughs> As Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14, there's a call that we will hear. Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead. 
and Christ will shine on you. And from that rest, we believe we will wake up to a life of energy and creative work and also of eternal rest in God's presence and a life that will never end. And that's something to give thanks for today, I think, and to build hope into our tired bodies and our tired souls. So let's pray as we rest into that reality today. Lord, we come before you today as tired people living in a tired world. We labour, we work, we worry. There are so many things that wear us out and we know that in the end, all of us will come to the end of our time and we pray that this would be something that we hope for as rest in peace in your loving arms and in that we hope for the day to come. Please take away from us the shadows of fear that overcome the frenetic life of work without end. Allow us to rest in your presence always and hope for eternal rest to come. So we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.